Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm Millie Brooks, and with me today is Dr. Amy Evazade, aka the Egg Whisperer, aka my fertility doctor. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Amy. I love being here, Millie. I love listening to your voice. I love what you're doing. And I feel like I should say, an egg roll, please. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I go, okay. So before we dive into this topic, I feel like we have to just name in the room that you are all of the bachelor contestants' fertility doctor. I mean, I kind of want like a bachelor egg freezing party where we can do bachelorette, bachelor, and like watch them like date to have a baby. Like, wouldn't that be fun? I would love it. And you would be the fertility consult. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we can I- watch them all, then we can kick them off the island if they. <laughs> I don't yes. know why we would kick them off, but it just sounds like something fun to say. <laughs> yes. And instead of a rose, it's like an embryo or, I mean, I don't know. Now we're getting into ethics, but that, I I mean, this sounds amazing. Um, I, well, first of all, I think what you're doing for them is creating, is definitely sending waves, you know, through the world and people are now getting on the egg freezing train and it's so great. It's so great. Thank you. Um, okay. Now we're going to get into the topic. Now we're going to talk about what everybody's here for. Um, I'm really glad that you were available last minute to talk about the topic of mosaic embryos because I'm just completely lost when it comes to this area of fertility. And I knew you'd be the right person to talk to about it. So let's just start with like, you, I really just want you to dumb it down for me. Like, give me the most, the simplest definition of a mosaic embryo. Um, it's easy. Some cells are normal, some cells aren't. But the percentage of abnormal cells aren't so high that the embryo will not have a chance for a healthy pregnancy. That's the easiest way of thinking about it. Okay. And so, and that second part was... Some of the cells, they're not normal, you said? They're not? Yeah. So so the true definition, and I'll just read it, it's defined as the presence of more than one chromosomally distinct cell line in a single sample originating for an individual. Okay. And so, you know, if let's just take the number 100. If let's say, um, you know, 10% of the cells are abnormal and 90% are normal, then we would call that low mosaic. Mm, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. And that's how you grade it. The gra- the grading scale is like low to high. That's right. That's correct. And so the higher the percentage of abnormal cells, the higher the chance that the embryo actually could be abnormal when it's called high mosaic. And the thing is that while we're talking in general terms, it is super important if you're doing this kind of testing to do a post-test consult with that genetic testing company because they'll have their own definitions as to how they report low versus high. And you really need to know what that means for you specifically. Mm, that's a good, okay, great, great point. 
Um, I'm going to launch into some of these questions that um, from our studio audience, which is basically Instagram. Um, what are the st- statistical chances for mosaic embryos of implanting and leading to a live birth? Um, some studies say as high as 40 to 50 percent. Mm. And again, it just depends on, you know, a lot of people say it, it depends on the chromosome. Some people say it doesn't. It depends on whether it's one versus multiple. Other people say it doesn't. Some people say it depends on whether it's low versus high. Other people say it doesn't. And I would say in my experience transferring mosaic embryos, I have had healthy pregnancies from low mosaic, from one chromosomal issue. I have had unhealthy pregnancies that resulted in miscarriage from high mosaic embryos with multiple chromosome issues. I've had no pregnancies. I've had biochemicals. I've had healthy live births. So I've seen it all. You've seen the whole spectrum. I've seen almost the whole spectrum. I would say I've been lucky enough that I have not had a situation, and this is what everyone is fearful of, that you have a viable pregnancy that turns out to be abnormal, that you have to face a really tough decision to terminate. I have not had that happen, but my patients are counseled extensively. And certainly I never want that to happen, but that is something that we talk about at the start when we are exploring transferring a mosaic embryo. So that's always a possibility down the road. It is. I mean, a lot of my patients, they will do CVS, amniocentesis, NIPT, anatomy. I mean, they're going to do all those tests to constantly reassure themselves, normal, normal, normal. But I've also had patients who've transferred a mosaic and didn't do any testing and just brought a baby home. I've had at least two patients that said, Amy, like we know that the cells in the trophectoderm may not be truly representative of the inner cell mass, which is that baby inside. And so my baby is normal and they did actually chromosome testing on their baby once delivered. And I've had two patients that did that instead. And there were no, there was no mosaicism detected. So, I mean, oh wow! and, and for the, for people who are listening, who um, haven't watched the Nova special, um, the documentary fighting for fertility at minute 38, if you watch that section, it's all about a mosaic embryo transfer. And that patient was my patient. Oh, wow. A mosaic embryo. And she had a beautiful live birth. And it kind of talks about the science and her story. And I think they did a really good job talking about it. Okay. What was the name of that documentary again? Um, Fighting for Fertility. And you can find it on YouTube. Okay, great. Great. Next question is, when is it a good option to use a mosaic embryo? I would say when it's your last option, meaning you look at the number of children that you want, the age that you're at, how old you're going to be when you're done with your family, you know, growing your family, and then say, does it make sense for me to use my mosaic or can I do another IVF cycle to see if I can make a normal embryo? So it's a personal decision. Everyone's fertility story is different. The age, your levels, your follicle count, you know, the number of IVF cycles it's taken you to even get that mosaic embryo. I mean, I've had patients who've done three IVF cycles and we have low one low mosaic and we choose to stop doing IVF and transfer that embryo before doing more. I have other patients who have, let's say, you know, two euploid embryos, one mosaic embryo, and they 
want to give themselves the best chance of having two live births. So we'll still do another IVF cycle, understanding that we can still use that mosaic, but we're going to rank that embryo lower in a priority list of embryos to transfer in the future. Got it. Got it. Um, Are high-level mosaic embryos never a good option for transfer? Um, I have transferred high mosaics, like I shared with you. Um, I've had one miscarriage from doing a transfer of a high mosaic. Um, I'm planning on transferring another high mosaic here in the near future. I've actually also transferred abnormal embryos, and I still do for patients and very specific, you know, based on the abnormality, I I will consider abnormal embryos as well. Um, And I have, I'm one of those doctors who have been so lucky to have the experience of having an abnormal embryo, truly abnormal in the report, turn into a perfectly healthy baby. I mean, wow. I mean, I think when we're doing these transfers, we're doing them because we really hope that the mosaic or abnormal diagnosis is due to an analytical error, right? So you've heard those terms, false positive result. Um, And then there's always this thought that a mosaic embryo will self-correct. And so I've seen it in real life. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's pretty amazing. Um, Is it worth retesting the embryo? And why can't they tell where the abnormalities are? Um, As far as retesting, um, it really depends on the strength and beauty and and how strong that embryo is. So if an embryo is really good quality, you could retest it. But this is the thing. Okay, let's say you have an abnormal embryo, you do a biopsy, you retest it, it comes back normal. Which result are you going to believe, right? Was the normal false positive? Was the abnormal false positive? I don't know. And so if that comes to be that you had an abnormal and then the next report says normal, well, then you might want to say, well, that embryo is probably mosaic. And that's why you got two different results, possibly. Mm. So when I see that, and, and, and again, like there isn't anything I, I, I'd like to say there, well, when you've been doing this for as long as I've been doing it, you kind of can say that there isn't anything I haven't tried or seen or done almost. Okay. And so I have definitely done that where I've had patients with, let's say 10 abnormal embryos. And I'm like, I will not believe this, that all 10 are abnormal. And then I have thawed, re-biopsied, tested again to get one normal, let's say. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I have had that experience before. And I'll just share that, um, when I've had that experience, you know, sometimes that one does work and sometimes that one doesn't work. So that's why you have to wonder, maybe that abnormal result was actually true and correct. Mm. Mm. Okay. Or I'll throw out, throw out there that maybe doing the repeat biopsy may have affected the embryo. So you have to be really careful about doing that. Right. Because that they kind of don't like to be messed with. Right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, these cells are so small when you're doing a thaw and a biopsy and freezing and then you're thawing again. I mean, you know, there's always a small chance that you can even lose an embryo to a thaw. It's like maybe around 0.5 to 1%. But there's always a chance that the quality gets lowered the more things you do to it. And, you know, that's never a good idea to hurt an embryo. Mm-hmm. And um, why can't they tell where the abnormalities are? Um, I think what that question is referring to is why can't we detect what's going on with the baby better? And the reason is the baby part, 
basically is that inner cell mass inside. And we have these cells on the outside that we think are the truest reflection of what's going on with the baby. And we can't biopsy that inner cell mass, which represents the baby. We can only biopsy those cells that surround the baby part, right? Mm. And that's the trophectoderm. And that's why, because if we go in and try and biopsy the inner cell mass, we're we're basically um, harming the embryo. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And amniocentesis is the, like, basically the gold standard, 100%, because you truly are, you know, when you're going in and you're getting the amniotic fluid right there where the baby is, that's as, um, you know, as as 100% as you can get when figuring out what the chromosomes are of the baby. Mm-hmm. And when they're testing it at the at the embryo stage, like you said, they can only get the outer cell mass, Right. That that's correct. The trophectoderm, those cells on the on the outer shell of the egg. Think of a little egg, right? And then the little yolk on the inside is the embryo, and that shell is so fragile. And they're just cracking that shell and just taking a tiny little piece of that shell. Or the other thing is, think of a kernel of popcorn. That kernel is there, and you don't want to touch the kernel. You just want to grab the little white popcorn that's you know fluffed out on the end to know if that kernel inside really is going to be a I don't know, a good popcorn. <laughs> I really just love these food analogies. It's really great. It, it's very helpful. Um, okay, thoughts about transferring a frozen early blast tri- tripeloidy 22 and continues meiosis. Now, I think you're going to have to break down that question for me, because I don't know what a tripeloidy 22 is. Um, that just means three copies of chromosome 22. So if it's truly an abnormal embryo with three copies of 22, and it's an early blastocyst, I'm just going to say, why would you even biopsy an early blastocyst, right? So again, kernel of popcorn, you got the popcorn coming out. What they did is that they did a biopsy when it was just bare, you know, a popcorn a kernel with just the tiniest little piece of popcorn coming out. And that can potentially harm an embryo. So we don't like to do that. So if it's, you know, a day six, let's say early blast, I would say the likelihood of that turning into a healthy pregnancy is extremely low if it's truly abnormal. So that may not be an embryo that you want to choose to to put your energy into and transfer. And what does continues meiosis mean? I'm I'm not sure what those terms would refer to that. uh, Yeah. Okay. Um, How to have peace of mind through the pregnancy that the mosaicism, is that how you say it? Mosaicism? um, Was overrode? Um, Amniocentesis. Um, Mm. So basically, you know, if you have a positive pregnancy test, that's one like sigh of relief. Most likely, you know, everything is okay, right? Most likely. Then we go to CVS. CVS is basically a placental biopsy, and that can reveal mosaicism, just like the biopsy of the embryo. So sometimes people skip CVS and go right to amniocentesis, but I've had patients still do CVS. They get normal results, and then they feel like, okay, good, but they still want to do an amniocentesis. And the other thing that you can do is the NIPT, which is a non-invasive prenatal diagnostic test, but that also can reveal mosaicism because that comes from cell-free DNA from the placenta, right? And so you might see, you know, CVS results that are mosaic, 
NIPT results that are mosaic, and then an amnio that's normal. But in the experiences I've had with mosaic embryos, I have seen normal results along the way. But I have had patients where I've transferred a normal embryo, according to a report, who've gotten mosaic results in an NIPT, and then they've done an amniocentesis that's been normal, right? So um, not to confuse everybody, I know you know, we should make a rap song with all these like, you know, NIPT. Yeah, you know me. Yes. But, but um, my point is, this is very complicated. So it's so important to do consults with all the experts, right? So you can talk to a high-risk OBGYN. You can talk to a genetic counselor. You can talk to the genetic counselor that's associated with the genetic testing company. You know, and it's like the more people you talk to, the more information you get, um, the better. And if you, let's say it's you did all of that, and now you're planning on transferring your mosaic embryo like two years later, do it all again. Because I promise you things have changed, literally. Mm. Like now we think there are embryos. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Are you yes, ready? I'm prepared. Okay. You're prepared. So there are embryos that they're actually not labeling as mosaic in the reports. And these are, you know, these are like doctors like me who I request reports that say, please tell me if an embryo is mosaic or not. And I would love to talk a little bit about that in a second here, but there are embryos that are called segmental. They have segmental abnormalities. And what we've learned now is these embryos that let's say, say things like, um, let me just uh, refer, uh, let's say trisomy 6Q or trisomy 3Q. So if you see that like plus six in the letter Q or plus three in the letter Q, now we think those embryos could be normal and actually mosaic. Mm. right but they're labeled as abnormal so it's mm. like you, how would people know these things without like talking to experts and and talk you know don't just like discard your embryo and so many people just get a phone call from someone that says all your embryos are abnormal click and mm. they don't get the official reports like they don't get to see what the abnormalities were and so like by having us talk about it people are going to now be like i need my official reports I need to see what these abnormalities are. And I want people to see testing as a way to rank and prioritize embryos, not Mm. a way to just discard all of them if they're abnormal. The information is extremely powerful and helpful, but at the same time, people aren't using it, I think, in the right way. They're using it as a way to say yes or no, but the reality is it may not be as black and white as we originally thought. Mm, so asking for those embryologist reports or the, mm-hmm. where is it, in Emogenics? What is that? Yeah. So iGenomics is one company. Yes, iGenomics. Another company, Natera is another company. I mean, they're Pack Genomics. There's so many companies out there that do a wonderful job genetic testing. And they're very transparent if the doctor asks them to be that way. Okay. And so a lot of clinics will actually tell the genetic testing company not to report mosaicism on the reports. Wow. And then patients think that they have like transparency and honesty and they don't. And um, recently ASRM came out with, I'll I'll actually read the title, Clinical Management of Mosaic Results from PGTA of Blastis' A Committee Opinion. And they said that every clinic needs to share their policy for reporting and transferring mosaic embryos at the beginning of genetic testing. Clinics still are not doing that. They're not. So patients think that they're getting full transparency and they're not. And they're throwing away embryos thinking that they're abnormal. And then unfortunately, I have this job of like giving people like 
all their information once they see me. And I go back to the genetic testing company and we find out that like two or three of the embryos are mosaic and low mosaic and the embryos have been discarded. Oh no. So it happens time and time again. And this is just because I see so many patients, right? I do a lot of second, third, fourth opinion consults. And so I, I have this opportunity in a way that probably other doctors don't to, 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 to go back and ask for these reports, but it's kind of bittersweet. You know, it's really a win when I can, you know, save these embryos and patients haven't discarded them, but when they've already been discarded, you can imagine it's kind of um, bittersweet, you know, in a way, you know, it's, it's good because they know that they have the ability to potentially make normal embryos in the future. But on the other side, it's sad because now they have to do more IVF cycles to recover the embryos that were discarded. What, what's the reasoning, do you think, that doctors do that? Um, I mean, I get it. It's, I think that, um, well, I don't get it, but I get <laughs> why well-intentioned people would do this. And sometimes they think that the information is too overwhelming and people won't understand it. Mm. And so I, I, I feel like that's insulting and I want to do for others what I would want someone to do for me. And I would, and, and so I think another part of it is we know that mosaic embryos do not have as high of a pregnancy rate as euploid embryos and people don't want to transfer embryos that won't give them that 98% wink, wink pregnancy rate. And I say wink, wink, because there are clinics out there that say we have a hundred percent pregnancy rate. I'm like, no, you don't. And what they don't want to do is transfer mosaic embryos that can bring down their stats. Oh my gosh. What a kicker. Right? Right? I know. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. And so, uh, you know, the, the okay, so let me, I'm going back to my own story here. And before I even started my round of IVF with you, um, I remember talking to a close friend who also went through the IVF process. And she told me, she's like, make sure your doctor saves your mosaics because yeah. no, not everybody saves mosaics. And right. I remember, and I remember being like, okay, I'm just going to say that sentence, but I don't know what it means. And mm -hmm. so I told you, I was like, Dr. Amy, my friend told me to save the mosaics. And you're like, we will, you don't even have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which I was so grateful for that. Like, you know, you were already checking that box off for me. Um, oh, so this isn't really a question, but it's a comment um, from a listener. My healthy baby was mosaic. No questions, but so happy to hear you are discussing this. Let's go back to the um, successful side of mosaic um, embryos. Like, how often do you witness it? I mean, I've probably had at least six live births from a mosaic embryo transfer in the last, I imagine, knowingly, probably six years. Six years. Okay. So yeah. six live births in six years. Yeah. But we're not talking about a sample size of like 60. We're talking about maybe like, you know, 20 transfers. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, well, that's all of my questions. I feel like maybe you have some juicy, juicy tidbits, though, that you want to share about mosaic embryos before we wrap things up. Yeah. Just remember, if you don't see it, don't believe it. Oh, my God. Get your reports. Talk to a 
genetic counselor that is not affiliated with your clinic and not affiliated with a genetic testing company. Ooh. I'm lucky the companies that I work with are super transparent and honest and they share the real deal with patients. And I love that they give both sides and they're always up to date with the latest and greatest as far as statistics and like birth rates and information about whether even their abnormals could be normal. And that's why I'm telling people like, whatever you think is true now could be different in two to three years. So that's why it's super important to re-engage. And when you're ready to potentially discard embryos, perhaps have another conversation again with someone. Thank you so much, Dr. Amy. I really, I'm just so, I knew you were the person for this topic. I just knew it. Um, how can people find you, follow you? I know you also do regular Instagram lives where you answer people's questions. Tell us about that. Well, I'm really easy to find. So anywhere that you put Egg Whisper in <laughs> to Google, YouTube, Facebook, you'll find me. And I, I love answering people's questions. But right now, the the best way is to sign up for one of my classes. So I have something called the Egg Whisper School. People can join. And it's like a great way to have like live discussions with big groups of people. I limit it to about 20 people per class. And I do a class. I was doing them more often, but right now I'm doing about one a month. So that's a great way to interact with me for people who are all over who don't necessarily want to engage as my patient. And are, is that maybe a great op for, option for somebody who lives out of town that might want to get your experience and knowledge? Yeah. Absolutely. I break things down. I talk about my recipe for IVF success, which is the egg whisper diet, diagnosis, IVF, embryo transfer, preparation, and transfer. So we kind of go through all those steps and you can take that plan and apply it wherever you are, even if I'm not your doctor. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Amy. You're the bomb. You're the bomb.com, Millie. I love you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week.